Greetings, comrades, near and far. Welcome back to Comradical, a comedy podcast about socialism and you. I'm Johnny Samivati, your queer commie dad, and with me always is my hetero life mate. Haley Rose, that's me. Welcome back, everybody. It's been so long since we've last talked about the bourgeoisie and how the world's going to hell. And guess what? It's still on course. So, um, yeah, we, we, we had to take a little time off um, to figure our shit out. And uh, we took a little hiatus um, to Spat. figure out where we were going because, frankly, we ran out of ideas. <laughs> <laughs> And uh, we, we tried out a couple of uh, fresh options, and uh, most of them bummed us out too much. And then we settled on, hey, why don't we get other more interesting people to come on and talk about their feelings about things? Um, and so that's what we did. So uh, this episode is brought to you by gaming. Gaming. Your escape from a capitalist hellscape. Um, so... We're going to be talking about gaming and um, how how the gaming industry is uh, very much a product of the capitalist society in which it was forged, and also the the conditions for workers in this field. Uh, and we have some workers from that field with us today, as well as a resident actual gamer girl. Uh, so we're. <laughs> We're very excited to have uh, many opinions, all of which are super, super duper uh, red, and <laughs> that's what we like here at Comradical is red and pink, and left, and never right. <laughs> that should be our fucking, that's gotta be a tagline. Welcome to Comradical, where we certainly are never right. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, we're gonna be talking about gaming and how... Gaming can carry on after the revolution. So with us today, why don't you introduce yourselves, everybody, um, uh, starting with Nick. Hi, uh, I'm Nick. Uh, I use they, them pronouns. Uh, I am an organizer with Game Workers Unite. Um, and apparently I'm very interesting. I'm here to tell you all about important, very exciting things like the AFL-CIO and other Ooh. boring unions. Um, <laughs> because edge of your seat. Woo. <laughs> you, <laughs> you better start caring about gamer rights, cause you're in one. Um, you're about to get into a gamer fight. Oh shit! Oh, shit. Gamer uh, rights. <laughs> uh, also with us, uh, Mitch. Why don't you introduce yourself? Hey, uh, I'm Mitch. I'm an organizer with Game Workers Unite. I'm a game worker of almost a decade. Currently, a worker owner in a game co-op. Uh, Games are a fucking horrible industry to work in. <laughs> We're here to talk about that. Uh, gamers, please be nice to devs. We're very tired of being doxxed. Oh, God. <laughs> and uh, also with us, we have actual uh, Gamer Girl superstar, Twitch streamer, YouTuber, uh, podcaster, and um, Wolfenstein Nazi-killing, uh, bog-cheese-hating legend, uh, Sarah Zedig. Hi, I hope you can hear how loudly I'm rubbing my temple right now. Uh, I, yeah, I'm a YouTuber. I make videos. I did a video about how uh, games journalism is complicit in labor exploitation in the games industry, and I feel very passionately about 
uh, uh, workers' rights in a general sense. So I'm here too. Um, I I, I mostly dragged Sarah in here so that we uh, so I would I would have a leg to stand on. Um, Sarah's leg particularly. Uh, because Sarah has very strong gamer legs, and I need those. <laughs> I need those to stand. Um, so let's get into this. So we don't. What we're trying out here on Comradical now is just a sort of a, a loosey goosey format where it's it's going to be more conversational and Comradical in its concept is about comrades being radical and. Uh, we wanted to start fostering more of a friendly atmosphere because, quite frankly, the first five episodes we made of this show got us really bummed out. I'm it was sorry. nearly impossible to have fun. <laughs> I'm sorry. It's your fault, All John. right? I am a giant negative black hole of anything with joy, happiness, <laughs> uh, levity. Like, I, I can't stand it. Please I'm send not a help. negative person. Send, send, a ne- please. send help. They, they, they put us in cages. They're not letting us leave. So what what I want to talk about first off, first and foremost, is something that doesn't get talked about a lot um, in gaming circles because people talk a lot about, um, you know, we, we hear a lot about Jeff Kaplan and Todd Howard, but we don't hear about all of the bajillion employees that work at, at Blizzard and at, uh, Bethesda and every other game company because it's not just despite what a lot of memes will say it is not Todd's Howard's vision that makes these games happen it is the endless endless grind and sleepless nights of workers who are toiling away so I, I want to get a feel for from from y'all that have had experience here um, what is your work schedule like what is your workload like what does that look like on a day-to-day basis? So, I can I can lead on this because I've been doing it for a long time. Uh, my my work schedule is the lightest it's ever been on account of being part of a co-op, and I still work an average of twelve-hour days, six-day weeks. Um, before Fuck. that, uh, <laughs> it used to be um, leave the house early to beat traffic, get into work around eight, get most of my like actual work time done by like 11 a.m. because from then until 7 p.m. it was meetings and then usually waiting until like 9.30 or 10 to go home Um, and doing that five days a week in-house and on weekends being on call and finishing up work from home because there was just too many meetings during the day. Um, And uh, it's it's been like that pretty much my entire career. especially like the part of it where I was living in LA. Uh, and it's a, like, it's hilarious how many meetings there are for like nothing to get decided or moved forward. Um, and a lot of that is just because like you mentioned, um, like Todd Howard is not his vision. Yeah. Those people like actively get in the way of development more than they actually help anybody realize a vision. They like spend most of their time just like making work constantly go backwards and things ship despite leadership not because of it in most cases so mm-hmm. who is todd howard uh, todd howard the boy. <laughs> todd how sarah would you take care to take take on todd <laughs> howard for me uh also Sorry. i'll take him on in a denny's parking lot any day <laughs> todd howard is um 
Todd Howard is a is he I don't know if he's the president of Bethesda, but he is all the same. Often the person who is uh, scooted out on stage at E3 whenever it's time to announce a new Fallout or a new Elder Scrolls game. Ah. Uh, so whenever uh, in like the McElroy's uh, Polygon show Monster Factory, there is when they're playing Fallout Four, they're like Todd, why did you do this to me personally? Uh, okay. uh, and they joke about Todd having made the game himself. That's who they're referring to. Which yeah. is and he's and he's like a famously uh, uh, overpromising like game CEO. He's sort of like the avatar of people who who are executives. Uh, who go out on stage and be like, in this game, we have modeled the entire living universe on the <laughs> Xbox 360. <laughs> There's no limits, none. Uh, see, it's, I personally find that particular like line of, of comedy uh, very funny and honestly kind of liberating, but I, I would defer to the people who actually work in the field because rather than accusing the whole studio, they're just like levying all of the blame onto the single figurehead who is doing the exploiting, which is very fun and good um, in my personal opinion. Uh, just to be like, oh yeah, no, I mean, I know there's a lot of people working on this, uh, and I don't want to dox them or make them feel bad about what they had to do in three minutes at the end of the last day it was possibly going to be shipped before Christmas. So instead, we're just going to blame Todd Howard. <laughs> I right. prefer so when he's like, like the Gabe Newell of of yeah, yeah. the next. Okay, all right, got yeah, that. he's exactly that. Um, my experience has been very similar to Mitch's, uh, except for Mitch has been working for longer than I have. Uh, so what I what I can actually offer is kind of the polar opposite side of the coin from Mitch, where um, you know he he and I dropped out of college at the same time, um, and he landed oh, yeah. the job pretty much immediately. But over the last ten years of knowing him, um, I have been kind of in the opposite boat of like not having a whole lot of employment and like trying to become a better mm. artist. Um, so I can kind of offer my experiences in learning how to do some of this stuff. Hmm. Oh yeah, that's it's important to to contextualize because like game dev is, especially uh, the creative side of things, is an incredibly like I know that all labor is skilled labor, but it is a deeply long time to develop skilled labor. It takes. It takes a decade to be functional at the associate level at most companies in art. And that's not a AAA company, that's just at a game company. It takes a decade mm. of training to be at the lowest level hireable. It's, um, yeah, and I'd imagine it's uh, you have to know code, writing, screenwriting, you know, cinematography, art, 3D design, 2D design. Like, it, it, most it's people. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's kind of specialized. Um, there, yeah. There's some degree of overlap there. Um, for instance, like, you'll need generally to know enough code to put something into, like, a database or something. Um, if you're a 3D person, you're probably going to need a lot more code than 2D people. Um, mm. So it, it really depends on the kind of job you have, which is actually another thing that's very interesting about working in games, is that there's basically everything that you can think about is employed in games to some degree. From yeah, people like who name work in cafeterias, yeah, literally everything. Yeah, it's it's the whole production pipeline. It's it's literally it's like an entire uh, city's worth of services to stand up one dev team. 
it's ridiculous um and it's uh to to, to the nick uh, point nick was making it's very specialized now so most people excel at one thing but have like a minor uh exposure to other stuff we, everybody's sort of like t-shaped for lack of a better term where it's like they're they're very deep in one subject and they've got like a little across others um hmm. and as a result you often have people whose labor concerns are radically different from one another um so does that make instance, it more difficult to unionize oh god yes because uh you know, product owners and, and project managers who, like, are getting normal eight-hour workdays and uh, spend most of their day, like, in a spreadsheet, you know, this isn't true of all PMs, but, like, at, at a lot of companies, they're, they kind of don't do anything other than, like, fill out spreadsheets, which is a shame because most of us could really use actual project management, but it's an easy job to, like, skate under the radar on. And so, mm. you know, they often will align more with their bosses than with their fellow workers because they don't understand sort of the the relationship between how they're doing and how everybody else is doing it, it's a weird dynamic everyone gets like pitted against one another because um, mm. all of the things we need are different and uh, you have to like fight the company just to get one team's needs met so usually there's one like dominant team at a studio and then everybody else is like uh, sort of below them um, like either game design is in the lead and everybody has to follow game design's lead and game design gets to do whatever it wants or art's in the lead which is like ubisoft <laughs> art gets to do whatever they want and everybody else has to deal with it it's sort of like that mm. like there's one one superpower and then everybody else has to just sort of deal with the fallout of not being them the fallout oh um, shit <laughs> um so uh, first of all not dissimilar from like full on like trust era gilded age steel workers like oh, it's being the same divided shit. it's the it's si the exact same shit of like There's being divided and incentivized to oppress one another to gain benefits over each other yeah they've literally built company towns for games yeah. uh and, yeah. yeah over no, at riot right, studios seriously. they have kitchens they have beds they have showers like, That's stock standard now. Like EA's got that. Uh, Naughty Dog's got that. They don't uh, have like company bucks, right? No, um, but they do award you in-game credit, and they oh do. My yeah, God. yeah. <laughs> they do give you like a. Let me get fucking Nintendo points. Yeah, no, yeah. like they, they'll give you merch uh, and swag as like a way to like. Fuck. Yeah, and they consider it a perk if you get those things. Jesus um, Christ! They cut they they cut bonuses at a lot of studios and just started giving people stuff. As a way of like keeping them, you know, financially Here's tied to the company. Deadpool hat. Yeah. Good luck feeding your the, fucking children. The and trash all, will fill the hole in your heart. They're all here's located. A, here's a Triforce hoodie made in the Philippines. <laughs> here's, here's a here's yet another fucking Funko Pop baby Groot. <laughs> like, here's your thirty fifth clean canteen. Yeah. Uh, right. Uh, God. So okay. Here's my question. And this is straight up and down. How often do you get to play video games? <laughs> oh, Jesus Christ. Until the last year, I had not played a video game in earnest for like six or seven years. Holy shit. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. Even, even now, I find that 
I have to like plan to, to play games. I can't just sit down at the end of the day and play one. I have to make a, a note in my calendar that I'm going to play a game for two hours today. I'm, Unless I'm you're like really, me and fuck up your I'm life on really Warframe. <laughs> I haven't played it. I haven't played Warframe was actually the last game that I played and that was just so that like me and my brother could kind of like hang out sort of, right? I honestly haven't played a game, right, for longer than like maybe an hour and a half or two hours, right? One day a week in like five five years at least you know uh lately all i've been doing is like basically watching other people play video games on youtube right just to i like the plot of a lot of games like uh i'm learning about zelda for the first time i literally watched mm. the entire metal gear solid like franchise via youtube you know while oh, so you've work. played the games <laughs> essentially <laughs> it still I mean... doesn't make sense <laughs> <laughs> it never does. But so like that's a, that's an interesting point that you bring up though cuz like Sarah and I do play video games, but to an extent we do so for a living because like the yeah. only way to successfully find time to play video games is if you can successfully monetize it in a in today's <laughs> society. Like there's yeah. no time to actually enjoy a game unless you're somehow making money off the end of it. Capitalism has so, like, wrecked the personal lives of every worker that they can't, like, actively consume any of the products they make or, like, take leisure I mean, time to enjoy anything without hustling it. Pure alienation at its, like, most distilled form. Yeah. Like, it is, it's exactly <laughs> what Marx was like, by the way, this is what capitalism do. Marx, so, Marx fucking predicted influencers and Let's Players. Get the fuck Yeah. <laughs> Please explain. Because, <laughs> like, like, that shit, like, I, I don't know. Even if you asked me when I was, like, 13 or 14, whenever, like, YouTube, like, nobody, it, why don't you think it was a thing yet, right? Because I'm 30 now. But, like, I don't think if you had told me that, like, yeah, there are going to be kids that are going to be, like, 18, 19, 20 years old that are going to be making, like, you know, more money than, than you'll ever see, right, in your hands, like, just by bullshitting mm -hmm. on fucking YouTube all day. I tell you, you're a fucking liar. Get the fuck out of here. Yeah, I mean, ultimately, it is just, you know, as, as Haley was saying, the it's pure alienation. And it's it's gotten to a point where there is no facet of your life that you can live without needing to find a way to have it generate income. Um, mm -hmm. which is a really awful feeling, especially when you're when you're trying to get into working in games, because it's very hard to separate, you know, what you do from your job. Um, mm. So many of these people who are leaving school uh, very routinely feel that they've done something wrong when in actuality they just might not have been born into a, a high degree of privilege or something. Um, and that's that's only something that I'm working through today. Yeah, not to be too uh, horrifically depressing or anything, guys. I know you wanted this to be a comedy podcast. So we're just going to talk about how <laughs> sad games are uh, for the next, like, hour. So, <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Content warning for bummers. Um, <laughs> I mean, that seems to be the case, though. Like, it seems uh, I still am, am really salty about uh, Red Dead Redemption 2 and the uh, the work conditions that were reported at Kotaku about uh, conditions at Rockstar and how they're still, in terms of like the, the public-facing conversation, uh, this sort of refusal to meld like the finished product with the 
labor force that went into making it and recognizing that like their suffering should taint the thing like just because the thing is is like polished and shiny doesn't mean that it's not like built on blood and sweat and tears that uh we're not necessarily uh equally compensated or or consensually acquired and it's i feel like every week there's a new thing about some company that is finding new ways to pay their uh, pay their employees less while like the highest paid CEOs hide their income in offshore shell co- shell companies uh, and like I mean I, I imagine everybody watches Jim Sterling at this point but like he did a video recently saying that was it EA that uh, actually got hundreds of millions of dollars in tax uh, tax bonuses as opposed to paying taxes. Like at the point me. where they, it's at the point on on the international level of like taxation that we as taxpayers are paying the companies to not pay their employees. Yeah. So you're telling and, me EA made all that money and still made that shitty Star Wars game where you had to pay for shit? Yeah. <laughs> Fucking capitalist, man. <laughs> EA is probably the worst of them. Um, Oh, it's not even the tip of the iceberg. There are teams uh, at almost every company now whose sole job is to, like, psychologically understand and manipulate gambling addiction for the purpose of, like, making money for games. And, And, like, all the language they use, everything they're describing, they're describing gambling and gambling addiction. And then when you call them out on it, they're like, oh, we're not allowed to talk about that. Yeah. I'm looking at you, Blizzard. <laughs> they, they literally hire psychologists um, yeah. to work on this stuff. And, and in fact, to to that end, let's talk about Warframe for a second. Yeah, it's so good. Though. Yes, <laughs> there is no There is a grand irony. Me, me and Mitch were playing it the other day, and I I didn't know much about the studio, but there is a kind of grand irony uh, that one of the factions in that game is a, a union effort against the boss of this planet you know this this what is it venus in that game yeah um, it's venus it's a the the boss is uh he reports directly to the investors who are the head of an evil capitalist faction and, and he's and, trying to speed up the terraforming of the planet in order to appease the investors and and at the same time <laughs> the real working conditions of the people at that studio are fucking horrific um oh, <laughs> Yeah, yeah, they're, they're way overworked. They're, they're oh literally they're they're doing the exact thing to the workers making the game that the workers then have to create some power fantasy about what they would love to do, but they can't because they gotta eat. Yep. yep. <laughs> right on the fucking money there. Yeah. Jesus uh, Christ. It is by far like the dopest part of that game, though, is getting to like fight alongside a union campaign. They made an awesome leftist song that could be with the Internationale. Oh, it's a banger! Please put it as your outro. It's so good. Please link it in <laughs> the in this this yeah, chat. Yeah, will do. Um, so, Sarah, going back to what you said, honestly, I watched that video you you made, and I was playing Red Dead at the time, and I stopped. Uh. I stopped playing the game because I was too mad at it. Good on you. And I, I, I feel bad because they already have my money, but I was like, ah, fuck it. I don't want to consume this content anymore. But, like, again, they have my money, so fuck. Anyway, I... Uh, 
So here's the thing, right? Right now, obviously, it's it's so difficult to unionize because there's all these disparate ideas and and factions, if you will, um, and like you know, different people with different needs. Um, all being oppressed in various different ways, probably through some crazy psychological campaign that those psychologists are being brought on to find, like devise yeah. anyway, beyond the gambling addictions, which, you know, plague fucking children who don't have a prefrontal cortex enough to actually like discern the fact that they're being exploited and they just want that next Fortnite skin. And it's like the it's tough it's this this is the thing that you know most conversations i have on this subject usually circle back to is like what the fuck do we do can i and can i give some more like context dump on on some games industry stuff for people to like understand this please please do i am this okay. insider this inside baseball is yeah. very good so in the us 65000 uh workers are directly employed in games as of 2017 um, but a total of 220,000 workers are in games the other uh, 155,000 are contract, temp or freelancer uh, employees which means that uh, you have a real division between the people who would be working full time and contractors who are provided no legal union protection or status anywhere in the United States um, because they're not considered uh, workers under the same like definition and, and legal category as uh, an actual like W two employee. Um, the The industry makes uh, thirty point four billion dollars a year. Uh, it's about three times more than the movie industry in terms of income, um, and it is like a deeply politically and and power tied industry it's not just like a little cottage industry anymore that happens to be full of like nerds who are like powerful uh the u.s military recruits using overwatch and call of duty and Fortnite. Um, and america's army Kafkaf. yeah and america's <laughs> army which warfare. is an explicitly one arma is is made by big u.s bucks for uh some some military game dev um c-suite staff oh go ahead yeah battlefield totally <laughs> Um, C-suite staff at companies often come from other major economic sectors. Um, Robert Kotick of Activision Blizzard is a board member of Coca-Cola. Andrew Wilson, CEO of EA, is a director at Intel. Um, Mark Merrill of Riot Games is the Merrill in Merrill Lynch. Oh, um, yeah, like it, they're they're pretty they're pretty tied into the existing power elite, and so it's not like. Uh, I think the illusion that they try and give to the public is like, we're gamers. We all come from, you know, being gamers and playing games. And it's like, well, everyone and their mom is a gamer now, dude. Like, so are the rich. Like, the president's playing video games too. Like, we everybody's playing video games. So the power elite knew this was going to be a thing, and now they own it the same that's, way they own everything else. That's right, gamers. Donald J. Trump is playing Fortnite with you. <laughs> Um, I'm so glad I stopped like playing flossy. Fortnite. <laughs> he seems like a Farmville person to me. <laughs> yeah. to, to the, to the just question, got Farmville. 
he he seems like the kind of cat who would have tried Stardew, but it was too hard, and so he went back to Farmville. Come to oh, my farm. God. I need apples. <laughs> you know, to, God. to the question of of what is to be done, you know, winking at you, Lennon. Um, I. <laughs> I, I think that here's looking at you, Vlad. <laughs> I, I think that outside of you know what what every industry should do, you know, unionize, establish class consciousness, and really talk about subjects like like what Mitch was just talking about right now, tying into the fact that like this illusion that they like started their first game in their garage and they worked their way up to the top. So if you're a person who can just have a computer and make a little indie game and then you're going to become a CEO of a company, that just does not happen if you don't have access to the means of production. Um, all of the major companies, uh, the people who are at their head, are people who were rich to begin with. Um, or at least petty bourgeoisie. Um, and reminding people of that, I think, helps establish that we are not like them and they are not like us. Um, and having that awareness, I think, goes a, goes a long way in doing all of this. But um, to contextualize a little bit about like the culture of gaming and gamers, I mean, Mitch has, has in the past received threats from gamers. Um, oh, yeah. And I mean, we, I grew up playing a lot of games and being a shitty person in high school. Um, same. Who didn't? Yeah, I mean. <laughs> oh, so that was you. Okay. <laughs> um, but I, I think that like it, it kind of starts. At least it started for me in in school. And I've I've met a lot of people. Uh, a lot of my experiences are with artists, whether that's three D or or two D, um, or or what have you. But there's labor aristocracy doesn't even begin to touch the kind of elitism and abuse and alienation that you experience from the second you go there. Um, to give you an example, I went to a school called the Art Center College of Design. Um, my entire adult life, I was told, oh, well, this, this is the best school to go to for becoming a concept artist in games. You know, you're, if you go to the school, you're already a professional. Um, <laughs> you know, so I got there and a bunch of really awful shit happened. There was you know, teachers preying on students. Um, you know, I've, I've heard stories uh, of friends of mine who got into relationships only to have their significant other destroy their homework because they couldn't abide them being ahead of them. Um, Whoa. Or, oh, that's like tip of the iceberg shit. Yeah, and, and that's Whoa. that's not saying anything for, for many of the deeper issues that happens there, but one of the most apparent ones for me was in order to maintain my scholarship, I had to have a seven class, uh, you know, full thing. And each class told me that they had 11 hours of homework for that class. 11? 11 hours. Yeah. And, That's half a day. Yeah. And all of my all of my classmates, right, of which there were 15, they only accept like about 15 a term, um, none of them were taking a full set of classes. And it ended up occurring to me that the reason that they were getting good grades, the reason that they were getting ahead in school and in class, was because they had the money to pay for the school out of pocket. So they didn't have mm. to take seven classes. They could take two classes, a one class, maybe three classes, and ace every class. And how how are you supposed to learn in an environment like that? Especially when they when they tell you things about, you know, foundations, which I'll I'll talk about maybe a little bit later. But like. It would be like trying to learn medicine, but then nobody telling you what basic chemistry is. <laughs> it's mm. it's entirely 
fucking nonsense. And that's not to mention the fact that the teachers often uh, recommend or like wink and nod at like do drugs so you can stay up and get your work done. Oh yeah, and and that carries into the industry. There are, there are companies out there that have active meth problems because of this. Yeah, Whoa. yeah. There are lots of reports of people developing substance addiction uh, and like losing sleep and getting like illnesses that could border on terminal. There's no telling the, like the long term effect of that kind of stress and there are families that have broken up as a result like it's it's endemic imagine Definitely. using your hands to to draw or write every day that's your your main source of income is is drawing and one day you just your hands stop working you get tendonitis or arthritis and eventually your tendons wear down you can't grip anything that is the end of your career that you spent a minimum of 10 years getting into and that's not an unheard of story. That is that is a story that happens far too often, and there is no support network for these people. Yeah, my hand is going to shit like right now. Like <laughs> I had to go out and buy like wrist, uh, sorry, uh, wrist braces and um, arthritis gloves and stuff like that just to keep them from falling apart worse than they are now. And I've only been doing this for a decade. Um, I mean, I mm. was training for a while before that, but I've been working in house for a decade, uh, or working in games in general for a decade, and like. Hands are already going, and you know. Imagine drawing or writing with the, your hand in the same pose, twelve plus hours a day for, like six days a week for for a decade. Your hands are gonna wear out real quick. You're not even that yeah. old of a guy. I know I'm, I'm 28. Self, self, you're younger than me. Holy fucking yeah. shit! Both Mitch yeah. and Man, I are I, are under thirty. Yeah. Oh Man, I. God. I thought I had a good enough excuse for my drug problem just because I was sad about not having a vagina. <laughs> but, <laughs> God damn. Listen, can I borrow but, some HRTs to vape? I, I'm going to need some real quick. You need to vape some more HRT? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Me I wouldn't recommend it. <laughs> it's not the recommended means of intake, but uh, yeah, sure. Although if you can um, make that innovation, I know quite a few cat girls who will be first in line. Oh uh, yeah, for sure. Um, yeah. So, uh, all right. <laughs> Fuck. All right. So here's the thing, right? It's, it's clear. It's clear that the abuses are real. Right. And so like what, I, you know, obviously the changes are going to have to be as endemic as the problems, right? Like they have to come from within, from the workers themselves. There has to be power developed there. And obviously we can't solve that here. Right. That's going to be done through the union organizing that you all are doing and you know workers realizing that they need to unite and etc we all live together so what i what i'm interested in talking about right here is what we as a gaming community can do to better support the workers in the industry and to help facilitate a less exquisitely toxic um culture around gaming because like ultimately you know the the purpose johnny's explained this better uh like the purpose of gaming is like it's an escape right like it's an experience it's it is entertainment it is fantasy it is art it is you know a story that we can enjoy and visual access Sure. And, and, <laughs> and you're missing one integral part. To a certain degree, it is labor. Otherwise, like, you know, you and Sarah, right, wouldn't have anything to monetize. 
It's yeah, become I'm not labor good at anything because else. of the, the commodification of the 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 people who make it. You know, it's it's the, the act of playing games is more a vessel for uh, commodifying the personality of the of the streamer, and so like in in an es- in essence, like y'all have had to commodify yourselves to survive under capitalism. Uh, yep. Which is just how you like fucking any, say, uh, yeah. Well, like how any labor is ultimately, but it, it is, it's it's strange because it's like there's so much, uh, s- there's so many things that like capitalism has created bizarre new venues for people to like sell themselves and their labor, and it's super strange because so many of them are just like basic social interactions and functions, and mm. suddenly we have to like treat them like jobs. Yeah, um, I mean. Essentially, yeah. a lot of Let's Players are making, you know, a lot of their money on on what do they call that? The social interaction of the internet, the uh, like meta parasocial relationships. Yeah, parasocial relationships, and and that's kind of just the illusion that you have friends that are playing games next to you, which is very sad. Um, Wait, what is this? You've never no, heard of parasocial, no, no, no. A parasocial no. relationship? Um, Philosophy Tube. No, no, no um, the, the, the the thing before that. Oh. Thing. Let's play what? Oh, let's okay. Play? Oh, like it's like a oh, YouTube wow. channel okay. we'll play games. <laughs> I, it's like, I, I, I'm not a real gamer, y'all. Like, <laughs> oh, why? Get the fuck out! Yeah, you leave. can leave now, Johnny. <laughs> Kicking me off your podcast. This is a revolution. <laughs> um, the gamers have taken it. We've risen up. <laughs> but I mean, we we see this sort of extending out. Like, you know, Sarah and I both have curious cats. We get anons every once in a while, and like, you know. Not all of them are great, <laughs> you know, because, yeah. you know, here we are uh, out in public being fucking trans women uh, playing video games, and that's not safe at all. No. Because, no. I mean, like, it's uh, it's um, <clears throat> it's that thing that happens, you know, uh, what's that called? Um, conditioning, where, you know, you make, <laughs> you have... You have a bunch of fucking assholes, right? You have a bunch of fucking rich assholes who go make these games about guns and fight and boy and dick. Big dick. Big dick. Strong Strong muscle. Gears of War dick. Punch face. Gears of War. Gear dick. Chainsaw dick. Cut up monsters. Run through glass. Punch. Kill zombie. Kill Nazi. Kill monster. Aliens flying. Big ship. Big truck. Wait, wait, wait. Go back. Kill Nazi was good. We're going to keep that one. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> big, big truck, big big truck, big wheels, big drive. Crimes, do crimes, kill, do you, boy, do you be boy, be man. Do you remember? Be Super man, Heroes? be angry, curse. Superheroes, superpowers. You're you're special. You're important. You're a special and important man, boy, with chainsaw dick, kill aliens, and the, then the those games, one. and then those games Go get distributed party! out. Those games get distributed out to a bunch of boys who want to be big, strong, chainsaw dick, superhero, do crimes, punch alien, big ship, big truck, drive, do crimes. Right, and then all of a sudden, you know, you make an online mode, and then here I come like, hey, I'm going to play GTA 5 online. Hi, it's me. I'm a trans girl. My voice doesn't necessarily match how I feel on the inside. And then they go, ha, 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 slur, 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 expletive deleted, and then harass me until I leave. Because that's what they've been taught by the games that were made by the guys who want to encourage that behavior to empower the people who are giving them the money. And it's the fucking, this this feedback loop 
of hate fucking that I don't enjoy be a part of, and yet I can't stop playing video games because I also want to feel special chainsaw dick big punch but also maybe big boobs so and and what's what's uniquely fucked about all of that too is that there are actually already ways that people have put forward to to stop these things from happening just to stop the harassment or at least find a way to to not make it so at the front of everything um Mm. and game companies routinely fail to implement them um, they they usually fail because they know it would hurt their profit margins because too many of their players are that bad. Yeah. Um, wow. There's there's another thing in this as well that like you know I was remarking with with Mitch the other day that to to that end that message that they're constantly putting out of the the hope the power fantasy and and it's gotten to the point where anything with whimsy or hope I just I feel like I hate fun now. Because I, I don't trust it. I see it and I see this right through the message and it's all just a big fucking lie. So you did not like Breath of the Wild? Uh, no, I don't like anything. I'm a Marxist. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> um, and on that note, I think let's just uh, take a quick break uh, to talk about some of the other podcasts on the network. And um, after that, we'll get back to talking about how video games are hate-fucking our lives um so uh with that let's take uh, a second to do solidarity so i want to talk about a couple of podcasts on the network uh first of which i want to talk about is mock footage mock footage is a podcast um hosted by our good friends uh ray and joe good gamer boys as well um and uh the concept is pretty fun so we all have that friend who somehow never seen any movies right and if you don't then you're probably that friend so either way mock footage is definitely the show for you uh every thursday um joe and ray sit down and uh start to talk about and proceed to watch a movie and before they watch the movie that ray has never seen ray invents a plot summary for the movie that he's never seen. And Joe makes sure he doesn't miss any important details while this is occurring. It's absolutely bananas, and it's a wild ride. Um, But then uh, afterwards, they watch the movie and compare how Ray's predictions matched up to the actual reality. Um, While it might sound like a way to make fun of Ray, it's actually really about sharing fun media with your closest friends and not begrudging them for how the fuck haven't you seen Back to the Future, you moron troglodyte bitch? How um, close has Ray been to getting it right? He got real close on a couple of them. Um, they were like he'll, he'll go on wild tangents, but every once in a while he'll nail it. And you're like, oh shit, okay. Um, so you can find mock footage at LunarLightStudio.com and uh, wherever else you might look for other podcasts of the like. And I'd also like to talk about another wonderful podcast on the network called the Trans Questioning Podcast. Oh, shit. Um, hosted by our own Sarah Zedig. Do you want to plug your own show, Sarah? Yeah, sure. Trans Questioning Podcast is a podcast that I host. I'm Sarah Zedig. Hi, hello. I host the Trans Questioning Podcast on the Lunar Light Studio Network. It's a podcast about what it means to be transgender in this year of our Lord, insert year here. Um <clears throat> Uh, I am on like little over a year on HRT and I'm slowly working through the process of my transition. So the podcast is all about 
like an audio diary of myself and my life as I've gone through this process. And lately I've had guests on every other week to talk about their experiences. Uh, I've had people like uh, Carter Manier and uh, Aisha Yufara on to talk about their gender experiences and the work that they do. It's a good, fun show, and it goes up every Monday, every single Monday. Much to Garfield's chagrin. Much to Garfield's <laughs> chagrin. <laughs> also, I w- also, I was on it once. Yeah, Haley Rose, she was also on it. <laughs> you should, if, you, if, you, if you love me, you'll listen. Um, hey, Reed. Hey, Brittany. Hey, all of you out there in podcast land. This is what you call it podcast about life liberty and the pursuit of nerdiness here's what people are saying about it oh have you heard of the what you call it hey that that is my favorite podcast right now so good it is better than a tater tot hot dish well i can't believe that for a second you know it's one of those big midwest fancy things a midwest fancy thing? yeah i don't know what that is but okay, yeah that's but what yeah. it is <laughs> You're going to love it, though. Oh, you're have, just going to love have it. Have you heard Brittany talk about being from California? Oh, have you heard Reed talk about being from the Midwest? Well, I never. And for crying in the soup, for would you just listen to the, the show? Soup. Don't take their word. Take a listen to the show. Yeah, blah, blah. We're the show. And remember, folks. Your belly button is your old mouse. Listen. From LunarLightStudio.com. We know about gamer muscles. We know about big chainsaw dicks. We yeah. know about crimes against humanity. We know about exploitation. Solutions. Alienation. Solutions. Um, <laughs> yeah, let's uh, let's talk about like. <sighs> let me uh, let me let me dive a little on some solutions. Yeah, let's get a little brighter. Let's turn. Let's take these sunglasses off and t- turn towards the sun and let it burn out our retinas in the most comforting <laughs> way. My eyes. <laughs> <laughs> Homestuck uh, reference. So, <laughs> I, uh, Haley asked me. I, Terezi, uh, there you thank go. Thank you so much. <laughs> Continue. Um, so there's there's kind of two sides of this that need to be addressed. The first side is like, on the off chance you're a game dev and you're listening to this and you aren't actively unionizing your workplace, first of all, what the fuck if you know about Marx, you should be doing that. And second of all, uh, like, get the fuck on it. Glue exists and we can help you. Uh, this is this is my very brusque call to action. Get it done. Uh, but games labor, I think, is going to ultimately have to drive the cultural change that will allow game dev to be uh, more flat more well compensated more uh timely uh more creative all of those things that will make games better will ultimately have to be driven by games labor and i don't think there's going to be a broad cultural solution before there is a labor solution as uh, Mm. a non-marxist uh friend of mine uh once remarked you have to teach gamers or, or your audience in general how to have taste because they don't have it and it's our <laughs> job to give it to them I, know, I, I mean if you think about it this way like if you are making 
art of any kind, if you are making any kind of artistic content, you are trying to train other people to see what you see in the world. You're trying to communicate with them like, this is the good, this is what good looks like, this is what good feels like to consume. And so, like, you have to kind of take on assumption, like, they probably don't know what good is, and you have to do some work to get them there. And propaganda. It is. All art is propaganda. And, and so, uh, in many ways, the workers are going to have to lead the, chain, lead the charge away from chainsaw dick gun muscle. And right. that's, that's, the, that's the facts on the, the culture itself. The cultural change will have to come from a labor change, which is that real, like, space and superstructure shit. But the, the other side of it is, like, if you are a person who plays games, um, the first thing you can do is, like, stand in defense of game workers. Uh, when something goes wrong, maybe don't be a shithead and attack game devs and if you see them being attacked go on the offensive back like there's a great article that somebody put out uh i don't have the link now but i'll pull it up in a little bit but basically it's the idea of gamers and audiences as modern day scabs because mm. game devs uh the bosses etc they benefit from a system in which when players are mad they harass workers instead of bosses mm. and so if if workers want to do something that is beneficial to them like delay a project so they don't have to crunch when gamers get mad and they take that out on the workers they're effectively you know doing the role that scabs would have done in the past of just punishing workers for wanting to have any kind of rights yeah they're it, like pinkertons mm. to, to that to that end um as a quick aside uh, Mitch here did the art episode with Pearls of the Round Table, if you have four hours of free time. Um, it's worth it. <laughs> it's part one, thank you. It is. Um, <laughs> at, at least see, like, ways of seeing. Yeah, but but the, the other part of this is that, like, often when you see gamers get outraged at shit, um, they'll be pointing at something like, let's say, Mass Effect Andromeda and the animations in that game, um, and they were very eager to pin it on one animator um, who happened to be a woman. Um, yeah. When in actuality, like, you have to ask the question, well, well, how the fuck would one animator be able to pull that shit off? Like, like there's right. no <laughs> fucking way it was one animator. There, there was massive production issues that caused that, and that didn't come from the people who enjoy making quality. That came from the people whose job it was was to rush it out and make as much money as humanly possible. Um, yeah, if that animator had gotten enough sleep and wasn't like on their fortieth hour of work in the last three days, probably would have done better. And mm -hmm. two two game devs. Um, I, I want to preempt something really quick. Um, one of the most common things I've heard talking to people in in my industry so far is that almost everybody I've spoken to is in active support for a union, but hasn't done anything about it yet. Maybe they don't know how. Um, but most of the time what I hear is that we need a union, but I'm not the right person to start it. You know, I'm not the right person to, to do this thing. But if there's one thing that I've learned in my brief time organizing, um, you could wait for Lenin, I guess. Maybe he's going to come back from the dead or there'll be a new Lenin one day. Um, but I, I doubt even Lenin really knew, you know, what he was doing. I don't, I don't think he believed that he knew what he was doing. I think 
he he read he had a good idea you know and and much like any revolutionary like i'm sure it's terrifying but you might not feel like you're the right person or you're not extroverted enough or what have you but you can train to be better and we need you here yeah on that note like if 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 these people you know maybe you're not the leader that's fucking fine nobody you don't need to lead uh Every organization, every movement, every society requires people who do all of the other shit. The, mm-hmm. the amount of people whose valuable organizing time is wasted stacking chairs at the end of meetings or popping popcorn because it's their task. You know what? Free up those people. Become the popcorn popper. Become the chair stacker. We need every fucking person who can help in any capacity they can. If you love watching kids, excellent. Start a daycare program for your organizing committee so that they can all organize while you watch the kids if you don't want to be a leader. There's a thousand things that you can do. I am not a great leader. I am not uh, a particularly good like unionist compared to some of the more experienced people. I will stack chairs. I will print flyers. I will do stupid shit like that so the smarter people can get it done. You Make don't have coffee. to be a genius. Yeah. You don't, you don't Make... have to be this hero of the revolution. Like, we need just bodies on the line to get stuff done. And yeah. honestly, that whole, like, you know, uh, great men of history idea is so fucking bourgeois. It's so fucking bullshit. Right, that like you know, it all it's it's the guy up front that did all the work. Kind of like how you were just talking about how like you know they pin it all on one person for why that game was fucked up. It wasn't. It was a whole string of people making decisions. Right, it was a whole group of mm-hmm. people making decisions. When things go right, like Breath of the Wild, or when things go wrong, <laughs> you know, like like. Like yeah, when things go right, like Breath of the Wild, everyone's like, wow, Reggie Fisame did a great job. I can't believe he did everything himself. <laughs> and then when things go wrong, everyone's like, oh, fuck. Women, am I right? Um, <laughs> and and leaders, leaders die, but, you know, the people live on. That, that's just always been true. I think that might have been Stalin who said that. Um, actually, I think, was, I think it that's was from actually, V for Vendetta. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that was that. definitely V for Vendetta. Oh, shit. Um, it's on the back that of was the anonymous. Martin's book. <laughs> that was anonymous from V for, for Vendetta. Oh, okay. um, yeah. So, 4chan said that. Okay. Or shit, anonymous now here's was my, all here's my, here's, here's my question, right? So, uh, as a petty bourgeois person myself, you know, coming from a place of privilege, like, I, I understand that I... and people like me are part of the problem and a lot of what I'm doing here with Lunar Light and with this podcast and with you know showing solidarity and doing what I can to amplify the voices that I believe need to be amplified like Real angle shit yeah like yes. what can I do here as as a member of the fucking ruling class like, what can I do to help and people like me? Because, like, let's face it, this is a podcast. It's listened to by people who have time. Yeah. And so, like, what can we do to help the revolution? Because this is not... I do not want to hinder and I do not want to be a scab and I do not want to act in my self-interest because my self-interest is directly opposed. If I was to preserve the way of life I grew up with, 
that and is uh, directly opposed to my beliefs. I, I want to add, like, maybe to clarify the direction of the question, I wanted to ask, like, what would you recommend somebody... Who, uh, what, would, what, what should somebody who plays games for a living or talks about games for a living, like, how do they help? Well, mm. um, I, got a, I got a couple of things to, to challenge on that first. Um, do you own any part of the means of production? Um, I, I own the podcast network upon which this podcast and many others are distributed. I, I would say on, in, in that case, simply just raise up revolutionary voices, raise up the voices of unions. Um, if you know, you, you had some access to capital, um, social capital or otherwise, or the, the physical, you know, means like, like the capitalists do, um, Perhaps you know getting rid of those things, um, becoming more proletarian is a is a good option. But you could it, migrate yeah, we, it to a cooperative model. We did. We've designed this business model, and I'm sure Sarah and Johnny can both attest to this that it is uh, no no individual voice. Like I'm not the last line of defense on any decision being made. We have a board that yes. was freely elected by every member on the on the network who all work together and we have these meetings every month to make sure the direction of the network is in the best interests of all of the workers I, rather than I do have to carry Haley everywhere with my powerful gamer leg. <laughs> yes, that's that's true. What, that was part of the deal. My but... my weak my weak inbred bourgeois uh, <laughs> legs cannot carry. Make, make sure so. that your legs are making the money that they've earned. Um, yeah. <laughs> so that's what I've done. I've hacked off my legs to feed my brethren. So 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 <laughs> in, in terms of what you can do is like maybe let's players or podcasters or whatever. Um, First off, I mean, thanks for having us here to, to rep Game Workers Unite. Um, but of course. Uh, constantly just talk about working conditions and maybe reach out to people who work at these companies um, or help support the unions when they maybe go public uh, or ask for the help. Um, we've had walkouts uh, at studios and sometimes buffing up those lines, um, especially if there's ever a strike, uh, you know, come out and join the strike. That would be great. Um, mm. I, I think uh, right now it's just signal boosting and material support to these causes if, if you can or if they're asked for. Um, and you know, as Mitch was saying earlier, con don't don't stand by the sidelines when you see wrong shit. You know, confront it head on uh, and be more willing. You know, be more willing to be uncomfortable and, and, and confront rather than, uh, I guess, remain introverted. Um, yeah, mm. I mean, I for the listeners out there, body block like the game workers who are getting harassed. Like, tie up some fascist time on Twitter. Just fill their replies with stupid bullshit. Get a ligma out of them if you can. Like, just <laughs> just troll them. Uh. Just just like keep what's them... ligma? Uh, he's a, I, he's a character in Overwatch. He's the new one. Oh, he's the Ligma one with toes, the feet. Yeah, yeah Ligma toes. Yes, it really sells the asylum look. <laughs> Oof. Ooh. Yikes. We were so yeah, excited because right. we thought it was just some, like, horny dude's, like, grandpa foot fetish, but it turns out it's, uh, it's just If it was, sadder. I would have been okay with it. We were all like, <laughs> if, this is fine. If Jeff Kaplan was like, I like feet. I like old man feet. Sorry. <laughs> we would all be like, you know what, Jeff? That's fine. At least he'd be more open about it than Tarantino. 
Oh, uh, yikes! Aroni and cheese. Yikes, um, yeah. Check out the latest video on Let's Talk About Stuff for that. Um, so, <laughs> yep. Uh, so I, okay. Oh yeah, go ahead. No, go ahead. No, you go ahead. No, I I don't remember what I was gonna say. <laughs> All right, fine. Well, so you know, uh, another thing like the reason, a big reason we've sort of taken this change towards having a bit of a more jovial time um, in this podcast rather than like just a dry depressing explanation of why Martin Luther King was assassinated Martin Luther I'm King Jr. Sorry. was assassinated um well no it's the fucking truth he was organizing a he was organizing a, a workers rebellion to march on Washington and then everyone fucking I, yeah. I, I anyway so fucking uh like be that negative it's I did um, so <laughs> I thought I could stop you Johnny I really did but the reason we've taken sort of a nicer tone to this is because like you know I'm I'm I am a comedian I am I am a clown I I dance in front of people to make them laugh to help them you know d- distract them from the problems of the world right like that is the service I provide to people I make these podcasts not for my own self gratification but because it is a service I provide to the collective as a whole to allow them a brief reprieve from their struggles right and so you know a a big thing I have to say like to self aggrandize is like I want to make sure that my comedy is productive and not derisive or destructive or distracting you know like i i would rather have people laugh about a subject that they're now learning about rather than to laugh off the problems of the workers which is why you know i i think it's it is good for us as streamers and as you know let's players and podcasters to say things you know in support of the workers and maybe, you know, have a sarcastic, you know, comment about game dev, not game devs, but the game, like the, the CEOs of these companies that walk out on stage and talk about, you know, Brian David Gilbert did that whole breakdown of how every single one of them comes out in a blazer, diesel jeans and a gamer t-shirt and talks <laughs> about how this game is going to be the next fucking you know like they just go out and blow shit out their ass and talk about how amazing their company is and then playstation doesn't even show up because they're all too busy doing whatever and like it's just i want to make sure that like what we're doing is productive because it's very easy for me especially as someone who uses comedy to cope and i'm sure we all can relate to that to So, so it, like most of us can relate to ignore the problems in favor of a quick joke. You know what I'm saying? I, I don't know. I'm, I, I or, I'm, oh. I like I. I think that's the right tact to like use comedy in a productive way. Um, unfortunately, like just talking about solutions is super rarely like problems and solutions. Talking about them is super rarely itself funny. Like it's sort of it's like grim humor. We're like. <laughs> everything's fucking terrible you know it's, it's <laughs> right kill your landlords and, um, <laughs> yeah. I kill I, I just... all landlords <laughs> yeah that's so depressing this now, but not ironically execute all the landlords <laughs> <laughs> uh, Alexa <laughs> just in terms of like ways to help uh, the games industry though like 
to the degree that consumer and individual choices are capable of helping anything in liberal like liberal democracy bullshit um you know buy from cooperative game studios buy from indies stop stop necessarily supporting these like monolithic evil companies like ea to the degree that you're able to um but you know you can't really change anything there don't boycott them when the workers are asking you to not because it's probably not it's probably going to hurt them more than not um mm. it's we not like boycotting a lot. is a revolutionary act anyway. yeah it's not you know things that we can do for one another would be when these mass layoffs happen at studios um you know game players gamers uh, streamers working to put together gofundmes for solidarity campaigns and, and solidarity funds to keep people afloat after they've just lost their jobs and mass um you know figuring ways to to organize around supporting good devs who you appreciate um when the right wing in in america is extremely organized and it's not on purpose in a lot of cases they're organized because capital is right wing capital is the the dominating social factor the dominating base of society and so just by existing within capitalism the right wing is organized because all organizations of capital are right wing and so when right-wing people get together and demand for like someone to lose their job for having a vaguely left opinion uh, or for saying a pretty benign thing online or just for being marginalized in the first place um when the right wing goes in for that and they get those people successfully fired that is because the right wing is inherently organized under under capitalism so if you are on the left and you are trying to do this you have to be organized you have to be part of a group. You have to be communicating with the people. You have to be talking to your fellow citizens. Uh, you have to be engaged because you. the left is not organized by default. Most of the leftists I meet don't do any organizing work. Um, and so the best way you could help games and game devs is by working to organize for laws that will help them, uh, including things like um, ending our forced arbitration clauses, uh, ending mm. non-competition non clauses, which are the fucking worst. Um, you can you can try and uh, you know force companies' hands on on issues the same way the right wing does by just organizing together and and having a mass campaign to put pressure on them. Um, Could you explain what a non-competition clause is? Yeah, it's in a lot of states. It is perfectly legal for a company to say, um, while you're working for us, you cannot work for any other company in any industry that touches ours or has a product similar to ours, the definition of which is left extremely vague so that you have to take it to court in order to work it out. And wow. um, often they include terms that were, that say, for instance, when you leave our company, you can't hold another job in, this, uh, in a similar line of work for sometimes up to years, like two plus years. And fucking what? Yeah. Fucking Jesus. And and to to add to that as well, many of these studios actually in your contracts will say that any personal project that you've been working on um, while at your time working at the studio belongs to them. Um, even if it's on personal equipment. Yeah. Even if you, you go home, you work on your own personal project, you leave the company, 
if they can prove that you did it during company time, and I'm sure that there would be a legal battle, um, technically you signed a contract saying that they own it. Game companies also regularly so, surveil their workers because they like if you want to take your work home with you, you often will put an app on your phone, and once you put that app on your phone, it belongs to the company, and they can actually seize the phone that you pay for out of your your monthly pocket and and your monthly expenses for themselves, just because you have their uh, software or their tools or their work on your phone, and they consider it their asset. So they'll just surveil shit. I. Didn't Blizzard not too long ago have some like weird fucking thing where they were like monitoring like the menstrual movements or some shit? Yes. Like their female workers. Yeah. Yes. They they were doing it under the guise of a health app. Um, but I think all of us who are any degree of class conscious can see that long term what that'll end up being used for is firing workers uh, before they know that they're pregnant, or workers who might be getting sick and haven't realized it yet, so that they don't need to pay out benefits at all. Yeah, I, I know of multiple cases and have seen emails of CEOs saying that they just want to fire people who got pregnant. Yeah. Just for getting <laughs> pregnant. Now, here's here's something very petty that that you can do that I found uh, I found actually kind of works. Um, well, that's that's good because I'm petty bourgeois. So. <laughs> <laughs> A lot of people actually get introduced to the left through memes. And that can't be your sole organizing work, um, but I've actually found sometimes that I actually got people questioning about leftist causes or about Marxism or, or Leninism through the lens of simply playing a game with them and helping them out when the rest of the team members were more interested in being at the top of the scoreboard. And when you change the dynamic so a game that is competitive is no longer competitive and you're all working together, they're much more willing to to follow up on anything that you tell them, which is a, a very weird and, and small thing that I think anybody can do is, you know, drop drop a breadline joke from time to time. You know, the world that we want to create is all just accordions, sad music, and gray. So, I mean, we got to... Yeah, perfect. Or, right, you could say, <laughs> like, look, dude, I hate loot crates too. That's bullshit. It's a capitalist scheme, man. You're just trying to get more money out of you. Don't you want a world where your video games don't have, like, fucking boxes like, or packages or skins that you have to pay for? Or some fucking, like, the solution <laughs> to The solution to microtransactions is communism. Nationalized <laughs> games. Really? Like, Nationalized yeah. loot crates. Yeah, you wanna... Every week, everyone gets a loot crate that they paid for in their taxes. And... <laughs> Hold on, taxes. It always has gold tier loot. Listen, no centralized economy of mine is going to have taxes. (laughs) (laughs) Imagine a world where you don't have to make a monthly or yearly payment to have online access. Imagine. Oh, fuck. Just, yeah. What if it was 1.5% of your goddamn income? let's, Let's even for a second, like, Look at look at some real world world examples of certain places. So, um, if, for instance, in North Korea, you, you might not necessarily own a home PC. Most people probably don't, but computer labs are fairly common and free and open to the public. So imagine and they got Counter Strike on that shit. Yeah, uh, uh, they do. <laughs> they literally do. Um, uh, imagine um, you know a world where you can go to like literally right around the block from you, have a high powered gaming computer. All of the games are free. Your access to that yeah. place is free. 
Like play with your friends, PC bong culture. Yeah, it's big everywhere but here. We can literally create a world where video games are of higher quality and free. But how can I farm for fourteen hours? Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> we won't need gold so, farmers anymore. There won't be any gold. So okay, here's the thing. I. This is partially what I wanted to get to, right? Because there's this big fucking misconception of like, uh, this happened to me in my my U.S. history class. There was another his, the only other history major there, and you know she's a she was a visiting student from some liberal arts college, and her only exposure to socialism and Marx and any of this stuff is like you know fucking shithead white dude cishet philosophy majors who are like fucking communism man my dad hates it so I love it and like works great on paper but not in reality right and so she mm. she's this is a this is a very common belief and it's epitomized by this comment she made she's like you say you like communism but you still want to keep your adidas and I was like three stripe <laughs> We live in a society. Curious that you criti criticize society, but you, you know, live in it. Right, but like, so, so, this is my thing, right? This, this concept, like, okay, under communism, we won't have anything fun and good. Nationalize and nice. Adidas. Nationalize Adidas. <laughs> yes. No. Na <laughs> nationalize Chuck Taylors. Um, Hell yeah. So, so, okay, it's a pragmatic shoe with low, low cost. Anyway. Yeah. So, <laughs> And not only not only in, nationalize put, them, make it way cheaper to like resole shoes and get yeah. them repaired. Oh yeah, resole the shoes for free and make all. Here's my campaign: make all Chuck Taylors have arch support. Um, God bless the revolution. So, revolution of the feet. Come on, Jeff Kaplan. Oh God, no. where's Ethan? Where's Ethan? Where's Ethan? You know. All right, so, but like this is the thing, right? Everyone says that you know, not everyone, but fucking. Dork brains, uh, will say like you can't have nice things under communism. It's that it's like that contrapoints like bit where she's like, but Jeez. I like shiny things, Ugh. like that that concept of like you can't have nice stuff. But that's not true, you know. Fucking video games can exist in communism. They literally it, did. That's where Tetris came yeah, from. Yeah, ah. literally. It, that's what is that Kalinka? That that's the song in the background of Tetris. Yeah, yeah. that's what the literally the most popular game of all time. <laughs> yeah. Now Tetris uh, is such a good game that it rewires your brain when you play it. It's actually useful for processing memory and traumatic thought. Yeah. It's so kind. now now to to follow it up too. Pearls also did an episode on Soviet cinema, and I mean some of the the things that created cinema uh. today were made in the Soviet Union for the sole mm -hmm. reason of making cinema more accessible to the public. Montage! Some and of, like, some oh. of my favorite films came from uh, Czechoslovakia in the late 60s when they had their short little uh, communist revolution. Uh, and th all of those filmmakers had to flee the country because when, uh, when the leftist government was sort of ousted, they were like, uh-oh, nobody... Uh, nobody wants us here anymore, and uh, they've all had like all of those filmmakers who were in Czechoslovakia in the late '60s have like almost almost none of their names are like popularly known, but people that worked with them or under them are some of the most uh, successful filmmakers of the like '90s and 2000s in like France and Germany. Uh, 
like those those influences spread out and it's amazing to me that it like it all comes back to this short little moment when there was uh, uh, socialist, actually, a socialist government in Czechoslovakia. And, and, and what's crazy to me is that is that I think everybody starts somewhere, right? I remember in high school saying the same thing. Well, it's great on paper. It's too bad it, that that people suck and it can't work in reality. I've since learned mm-hmm. that that's just fucking wrong. Um, and it's propaganda working for people today in the world around you. Go and talk to them. They're people. Like a seventh of um, them. Yeah, like a seventh of today. the world is currently socialist. Just go fucking talk to them. Um, but. They, they, one of the one of the other things about that that really gets me is they they talk about oh well capitalism drives innovation but what are we on Lion King ninety seven realistic lions <laughs> <laughs> well no that's the fucking thing right like Tetris is this amazing fucking game that's been around forever it's calming it's been on every single fucking piece of technology since we invented a goddamn motherboard and like. It's just, it's everywhere, and it's this calming solo experience with very low stakes, and then all of a sudden, fucking Tetris 99 comes out and turns it into this fucking hardcore competition where, like, everything's on the fucking line, and you're pitted against your fellow solo Tetris players to fucking reach the top and win, and, like... Nick was onto something, because when he said, like, you know, Lion King fucking 7 or whatever, even though I love Childish Gambino, uh, like, you know, if, 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 like, people are, like, tired of, like, the sequelitis or, like, you know, Sonic Boom or some shit like that, half the time they're fucking doing this is just so that the company can continue to make profit off of, uh, what, what is it, the, the copyright yeah, to there's that a, material. Yeah, to hold the, to hold the copyright. They're, they're fucking cowards. Is, they're cowards. Oh, Sonic I... is a phenomenal example of this. Because what is? Sonic, because the game mm. Sonic Mania, the best Sonic game put out in over a decade, mm. was completely designed and developed by fans. And if they didn't have Sega in the way, they would have. Been, they've been making these ROMs already for decades. We could have just had those as the products. Because if right. there wasn't copyright in the way of people making them, they they were already making them, and they would have continued making them. And we wouldn't have, like, for lack of a better term, we would have like game dev anarchy which would actually be a good thing because i don't want to play a shitty game i want to play a good one and i'll just let the good ones float to the top it's it's the actual marketplace of ideas is socialism because the only place where ideas can actually compete against one another without fucking capital getting in the way well it, here, here, here's another one that 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 frequently fucking gets me too is you take a a, a well-developed ip that's popular right and then you put a marginalized person in the front of the game and you say we're progressive now now james bond being a black woman i think in the new new film that just got announced that doesn't make james bond any fucking better (laughs) so an imperialist piece of shit yeah you know like all of this shit is they're they're starting to get scared now and that's that's why they're even capitulating at all and they're going to take it away in a heartbeat if you let them Oh, there's a great video by YouTuber Yugopnik, uh, who is uh, Eastern European, about uh, why there are why is there why is there suddenly so much representation in in, in Hollywood of like uh, uh, black men and women in terms of like now we have Black Panther now we have Captain Marvel, and he points out that these are all obviously like they don't they don't solve anything and they're methods of capitalizing on popular public sentiment. Uh, and it's like, we get lost in the trap of, yes, it's important to celebrate 
visibility and representation, but it's not a solution. It's more of the same. Well, it would be nice Th- if Thanos, was, yeah. Thanos fucking kills half of all life and, oh, well, he's, don't worry, he did it for a good reason. <laughs> yeah, it, to me, it's, uh, representation is extremely good and we should have more of it and it should be the default, but it also isn't revolutionary and I think it's it's telling that people are are begging for scraps at the table of ideology and representation that like we get really excited when a movie comes out about like a country that didn't get touched by imperialism but gets saved by the CIA in Africa as like the best possible yeah it's like look at this place that was untouched by imperialism that uplifts monarchy and gets saved by and collaborates with the CIA Huh. Yeah. Huh. I know I know we're way off the beaten trail here, but I've been on this like this tinfoil hat conspiracy about the fact that Disney never ever 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 uh contradicts the uh the importance and value of hereditary monarchies. Oh god. And yeah. it's it's Listen, and it's like I I feel like it like it's so important to point that out cuz like of course of course, because that's they feel like like the, that's the entire dis- idea behind like the uh, memorializing Walt Disney as the man, and what the power of like coalescing capital like ultimately amounts to is is just. But he worked yeah. for the State Department during World War Two, so yeah. But but Sarah, we stand a hereditary queen. you know another thing if if you're a right wing gamer listening to this for some fucking reason fuck off like first of all die first leave and consider your fucking life choices but if if you are here despite me saying that um consider the fact that when you're bitching about having a character who who comes on who's oh well it's all sjw's or some shit um you should just look at the people who own the fucking companies because they're the people who are are doing all of this and you're aware that there's no substantive change to the game being made there's no but but fuck you first but still (laughs) you know still you even even you should be mad at the rich people and and Get on it. Fucking just get on. I, I will. I will engage with you. Other people shouldn't. I'll. I'll deal with you because I grew up white. So, it's cool. Uh, <laughs> so, so real shit. Uh, it's also really hilarious when people get mad about that because they're like, like, oh, these people out here. You know, it's not an accurate representation of. And it's like, oh fuck, the people making. There were stuff, no gays in ancient Greece. Yeah, the the people the people who are making games have gotten like more diverse and there's still a diversity problem it's still mostly white men uh, or, or southeast asian men in game dev but like you're seeing more women protagonists and and more people of color there are more of those people working in the industry god forbid they want to tell their stories and it's a miracle when doing that makes it past the ceo who rubber stamps things uh and likes to throw their opinions in the number of characters that I have seen get whitewashed in production, uh, and the number and the even fewer number of characters I've seen that survived that process and still remained like either a woman or or non-binary or a person of color, they were done entirely because like one worker, usually of some marginalized group, 
was just fighting against everybody and them putting their foot down and making noise was the only reason that they got any modicum of change. And so, like, games would have been a lot more diverse a lot sooner without those people at the top. And the fact that they get diversity at all is, like, a miracle. Now, now like, you you, know, you actually have some experience with that yourself. Yeah. I, I, I once designed a character for uh, Heroes of New Earth, and uh, they refused to make her dark-skinned. Uh, they, the furthest they were make, willing to make her was Asian, and then when they, uh, I painted her splash, and I, like, turned it in, and then another artist, uh, made her white. Wow. Yeah, but the in-game model was Ow. still an Asian woman, so it was really weird. Ow. Yeah. It, it's, it's stuff like that happens every day in game dev. Um, and it was, it was explicit, too. The boss went over and told that person to make the character white. Like, it was the boss. It wasn't another worker who came in and took the idea. Nobody cared, because we all just wanted to make the deadline, and I, like, you know, designed the character. And, the boss this, made that call. Is this... Is that the result of the internal prejudices of the boss, or is that a push from the reactions of these fucking right-wing anti-SJW, oh my god, you're a cuck, you know, absolutely. fucking gamers. Absolutely it's, both. It's, it's <laughs> internal, but I have to say it is both. It's definitely internal, but uh, bosses are those people. Bosses are the radical galaxy brain centrists who think that they're woke, but are actually extremely racist and shitty. Like, every boss has unironically said the word SJW to refer to somebody negatively. Every boss I've ever been in a room with says that there's a middle line between Democrats and Republicans who are both right-wing. Like, uh... every every boss represents the interests of capital because capital represents their interests. And the Johnny. interests of capital are white supremacy yeah. and patriarchy. Johnny. Johnny, yeah. I'm gonna go anarchist. No, no, don't, don't. Johnny, I'm gonna no. go anarchist. Resist. Burn it down. No. Burn it down. We gotta, we, oh, we no. gotta rev up the mega guillotines and. Here is why. Rev up those yeah. chainsaw dicks and get work. the gasoline, boys. We're gonna burn no. it down. No, you don't want to burn it down because you're still gonna need the infrastructure to continue to make better games post revolution. <laughs> Can I can I ask you a question? Sure. Do you the, do you have advice for people who are uh, getting into game development in like the indie space? Not so much people who are run uh, like on an on an academic track to try to get to like AAA development, but people who are starting really small, like in the alt game space or whatever. Run so run to any other industry. You're you're making a mistake. But if you're if yeah. you're dead set on this. <laughs> Um, and I'll, I'll let Mitch speak to this as well. But if you're if you're dead set on this, um, follow your own convictions and follow your own passions, and listen to the experiences of others. Um, don't chase popularity. Don't don't chase that at all. It's it's not worth it. Um, and make something that you can be proud of that you would enjoy playing. Don't make something with the sole intent of anything outside of that or you will be leading a life of profound unhappiness <clears throat> so first of all uh yeah as nick said don't that's my 
answer. Uh, indie games have become an incredibly crowded market, and the chances of you competing at all or, or succeeding, which you need to in a capitalist economy when you're making stuff like this, um, you're, you're not going to. Like, full stop. There's almost no way to. And most of the people who are successful in quote-unquote indie games are people who have worked a decade plus at a big studio, learned all the tools and production tips and, and methodologies, and brought those back to their studios to make an incredibly scoped down project. Um, and it's it's their experience in AAA gaming that lets them succeed. So you're competing against not just AAA games, but AAA games once removed in the indie space. Um, a lot of these small studios have like, like a lot of small studios that I work with are owned or directed by people who were my peers at like a AAA studio who were like mid-levels with me and now they're like art directors or owners or or senior directors that sort of thing. You know, because I, I actually have, have something I just realized that that would be good to add. Um, a, a lot of indie developers have this weird idea of being the CEO of their own game company. Why the fuck do you want to be a CEO? Yeah. Like like how about instead, right? You want to know the best the best things that ever get made are the things that people a give a shit about and have some degree of ownership of. And if you're going to be dictating to them your ideas, if you're going to be talking about and, and asserting only what you want, then make your own fucking projects and don't exploit other people for that. And if you're if you're or going make a to goddamn make, co-op, yeah, make a co-op where where it's equal ownership. Um, you know, we we in Game Workers Unite, we have resources for you to go and do that. Um, Hell yeah, I helped with those. But <laughs> Nick, Scott Benson did that with. Uh, he did. Uh, uh, Glory? Is that what it's called? Yeah. And the, the Glory Society. Yeah. Yes. Thank you. Yeah. He, for, for those who don't know, he's the guy who did uh, Night in the Woods, but he's not the only one. That There was, what, three other people on that? I think so. Um, yeah. And there was a bunch of Undertale. Like, QA testers and stuff. <laughs> um, but, but yeah, Scott Benson made a co-op. Uh, I'm a worker owner in a co-op as well. Like, if you're going to if you're gonna make games be a co-op, there's a billion of us out there. They're all we're all really small, but we're also doing really cool things. Uh, Shoutouts to tonight we riot, um, but we should, which by the way is a is a is a, a socialist game about overthrowing capitalism, and it looks <gasps> dope as fuck. It's a side scroller beat 'em up. Um, <laughs> so, uh, like, make a co-op if you're gonna up. if you're gonna make an indie game. Um, like Nick said, follow your passion. Do the thing that is the most uh, the the most important to you because you're like games are art, and if you're already in a crowded market, just don't even try and be the thing at the top. Just try and be the thing that's authentic to you. It turns out it works really well. Cave Story is like a smash success that makes a ton of money, and it was made by a person who released the ROM for free when it came out uh, because it was like ten years of his life after like. Every day after work, he'd just go uh, home, put his kids to bed, and then just make this video game. And it's a fucking great game. Or Dwarf um, Fortress. You know, another yeah, example. Yeah, Dwarf Fortress is dope. Like, there's all these games that didn't set out to be anything more than just, like, a, a cool idea. And regardless of whether they're financially successful or not, the games that stick with us are games that feel authentic to the human experience. Um, uh, and uh, honestly... People respond to quality and they respond to authenticity so much that people are, there's a whole market on, I mean, you shit, you can look at it at YouTube, you know, you can look at channels that 
started very authentic and now it's all just a, a crafted authenticity that that's how much people respond to authenticity that people have to try to find ways to make it feel beyond their own thing which ends up destroying the the authenticity of the thing um yeah, hyper authentic yeah or or maybe um you know a good example of this and is like for instance uh, years ago i used to watch game grumps before john came out as a racist um Ah, yes. <laughs> oh, yeah, remember that? Oh, yeah. That was a fun time. Uh, Haley just told me about that, like, less than a week ago. And when you when you watch those first episodes, you see something very authentic. And as time goes on, you see a lot... And, and this isn't meant to, like, shit-talk them or anything like that. It's simply meant to say that there has been moves to make it feel increasingly personal to them to create create this authenticity. And when you think of movies made in the 70s, you don't remember 90% of the blockbusters that were made. You remember the authentic ones. You remember Alien. You remember The Hell Thing. Yeah. You know, yeah. you remember all these amazing films. But Jaws. Like, yeah, Jaws. You know, but Hell yeah. those weren't the only blockbusters. There, there were tons of blockbusters. And now when we look today and you see a movie and you come out of it thinking, well, I had fun. Ten years from now, you're not going to remember the name of that fucking movie. Right? Listen here, fucko. I remember Independence Day, and that movie is garbage. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to Earth. <laughs> Will Smith, please. So, as a as a as a as a way to to wrap up here, um, as we're kind of coming into our our landing, um, I want to just take like a moment to like, you know, it's fun to fucking. For me, it's fun to f- think about being just a, just just a little bit utopian, and I understand. I understand that we have to be realists, but there there's a part of me that just is interested in knowing what in a perfect world, in in your wonderful like perfect you know economic system, and and everything's going great. And we got we figured it's post revolution. Everything's groovy. What does the game industry look like? Well, um, I I think that it's not called an industry yeah. anymore. First off, <laughs> yeah. it's not. It's it's probably most likely just collections of people um, who are just meeting up with each other because they want to make something that speaks to them. Um, and much like uh, any of these these games, I mean. Dead Cells was was made by anarcho syndicalists, um, and they got together and they probably talked about exactly the kind of game they they wanted to make and the restrictions. Like they had a producer on that team whose job it was was to probably limit some of their ideas to be pragmatic about it. Um, so it might be at first that things would be slower, especially in a transitional period. Um, but ultimately, what you would see is a lot more developers, a lot more fan games, a lot more experiences. And on top of all of that, one of the, the worst feelings in the world right now, if you're one of these people looking to, to get into games, is it feels like there's a big brick wall between where you are and the people who get to do this, right? And if you go out and you try to learn, I'm, I'm an artist, if you, if you go out and you try to learn how to do art for games, you're gonna have people tell you about all of this really high level shit and they're, they're doing it, but they never teach you about foundations. They never teach you about the, the basics of perception and why you interpret a thing a certain way. 
Um, and there is a big barrier to that education. Um, mm -hmm. So you would actually see a whole lot more inclusion. You could probably, in a, in, a, in a better system, in a socialist system, walk into any game studio and receive training. And you might not be able to immediately be ready to work on a game, but you would be there, you'd be able to see how it was made. There would be no illusion of grandeur um, and probably no artur either. We, we want to destroy class, you know, and, and the barriers that, that come with that. Um, mm. So, yeah, I think initially you might see less uh, big money in games. You might see uh, some projects that are, are rare, have a lot of funds in them, and other smaller projects that are maybe more frequent, um, much like, you know, the Soviets in film. But, like, we have to remember we live in the Imperial Corps, and uh, games are not exactly the thing that people need the most right now, but I doubt that they're ever going to become a thing that we throw out. Mm -mm. I, um, to, to piggyback off of that, a big reason why it's so hard to get into the industry right now is because America's, uh, America and the West's economies have completely destroyed their productive forces in order to just move them to the global South and, and, uh, to prey upon other countries through imperialism and industrialize them as a means of accruing capital. And so when people say that we've become like a service economy, like we've also become an entertainment economy. I think it's like 2% of Americans workers self-describe as some kind of artist and mm. as working artists that, that includes like writers, you know, any, any of those positions, writers, 3d artists, Let's uh, players. illustrators, yeah, sure. Like, I don't know that they count in the survey that I have, but what I'm saying is, like, a lot of this data that comes from the, from this stuff is, like, it indicates that we are at a point now where the reason people want to go into games is because creative labor is one of the only jobs left for people. Whereas, mm -hmm. uh, you know, in the past, art was something that was, um, that sort of belonged to the people. We're now in... Uh, in that I mean like everybody did it folk art was a thing that through all of history um, and, and now folk art is becoming commodified to the point where people are trying to make it be their their own jobs like DeviantArt commission artists are the modern folk artists and the means of production have evolved so much that anyone can be a very advanced folk artist and like replicate production techniques of the more advanced working artists and uh, at the same time like the the bar to enter now into the professional sphere is higher than it's ever been because there's so many people who are clamoring for a job and some people are trying to commodify their art that they're all doing this so when i imagine a future without that to, to contextualize the future that that nick just described there will still be professional artists we can't change the historical progression we are we are where we are and art techniques have become so available that anybody can be a really good artist with enough time and enough practice and we all, ha all have enough tools between photoshop and tablets and stuff being pretty affordable that there's just a ton of great artists out there but the bar to be a professional who does it full time is only going to continue to rise meaning there are going to be fewer and fewer, fewer people who can do this job full time even under socialism but what socialism offers is all of those people who are not able to participate in that high level of professionalism of art 
to still be able to develop their own projects and produce them, to have the leisure time to do so, to build amazing things the way they already are without having to worry about their income or their job stability, the access to a job that actually pays their wages so they can pursue artistic pursuits without needing to commodify them, all of those things become available to the average folk artist and art worker. And, and to, um, to further that, yeah. just one, one more step, to further that one more step, um, socialism is the first time in human history that humans have ever been able to live not like fucking dogs, right? Where you can actually mm -hmm. create a future for yourself, right? You might, you know, not be able to initially work in it, but you are guaranteed a job in socialist societies. You are, it is, it is a human right. It is considered a human right. And that won't take away from your ability to get there. If you want to be a game designer under socialism, unlike our current system, where you might have to have three minimum wage jobs to pay your shitty rent in the bad part of town, um, you can't in, in, in capital. M many people are simply barred from ever being able to engage with this. But under socialism, you would have the option, you would have the ability for the first time ever to choose anything you want to do and be able to attain that reasonably one day and work towards that goal. Yeah, you actually have opportunity. So, so very hopefully, I imagine a future for games where people can, where people can express themselves and make fun, cool shit. Where you, listener, average random person who's who's partaking in this media, could make a game and have the time to learn to do it if you wanted to, and could pick up the resources to do it without it fucking up your life and livelihood or your your relationships to other people. Because you goddamn have the time to do it. And, and and that's what I imagine. That's the future I want. Is just a world where everyone can make art. And everyone can own some role in the human process and creation uh, of artistic works. And, and that we don't always just have to be in a role of consumers or laborers. But that we can be fucking people. And just make stuff because it's nice to make stuff like we've been doing for hundreds of thousands of years. So, yeah, just you know, make good shit. And also, beyond that, there would be no rent or shitty parts of town because we would eliminate redlining. So, yeah, um, yeah. hell yeah. So, yeah. you know, the other thing is, you know, that, fuck, you know, I don't, I don't know a better fucking way to sell our generation on socialism than, you know, that future you were promised? You can have it. <laughs> <laughs> have it your way. And it's it's like, you know, I was, I was, I, I had a lot of relieved sighs just thinking about it because, like, you know, I fall victim to this myself. Is like so often when we're talking about like you know perfect scenarios, right? Like the ideals. It's this far-flung fucking, you know, fully automated gay space communist looking thing. And, you know, that's great, but, you know, not feasible because at its, its core... A, it's a long ways off. It, it, yeah. It's a long ways off because at its core it requires infinite energy and that's not... I mean, look, <laughs> anyway. I, I don't even know if it requires infinite energy because I, I, this is a little bit off topic, but, like, look, there is... Oh, who knows how much amount of waste going on 
under the economic system that we live in right now. There's a waste of labor and there is a waste of resources right now. Like when you, I remember we like, throw most of it into the fucking ocean. Well, that's what I'm saying. Is it like also especially the labor? Think about the computing power. <laughs> that, think about the computing power that took us to the fucking moon, right? Uh, and like my uncle told me, like you know, the computing power inside the PlayStation Two is like a hundred thousand times you know more powerful than like. You no, know, yeah, your that... your your phone is more powerful than the Apollo Eleven computer, but well, that's what I'm saying is that like we have quantum computational power. We have like resources available that have never been available before to do that kind of computational work. That maybe. Maybe there isn't that much work to do. Jeremy, are you just... telling me that uh, in the socialist future, I am not allowed to have a profound realization that family matters more than work and throw my phone in the ocean? Are you going to take that away from me? <laughs> I mean, I mean, I remember how I said, like, you know, I'm supposed to farm for shit for 14 hours in my public socialist computer gaming fucking thing, right? Like, yeah. you have so much more time. Like you know, uh, like you can go for like, a hike in the yeah, fucking woods. Yeah. Fucking cl- cl- you can farm. Yeah. You can actually go farm for fourteen <laughs> yeah. hours. You know, like, Farmville. And, Donald yeah, Trump can finally have somebody help him plant his tomatoes. You it's can have VR. actual Stardew Valley in real life, where you grow <laughs> stuff on trees and trade it with your neighbor for wool, which happens in, in real life fucking China right now. In There's a YouTube channel and, about and it. What's I, I I have to say it. There, there is a lot of work to be done, but this is actually attainable. This is something that we can do, and, and it has been done in the past, and we can, we can fucking do it again. And we have to, uh, to we have to remain yeah, optimistic. To, to to put that in context, I, real quick, the description I gave of like perfect art—that's literally how artists work in North Korea. It's literally how they work in North Korea. It's like if you want to be an artist. You have unlimited capacity to do so in your leisure time, and there's a few people who do it professionally and are paid by the state. But like, there are some amazing North Korean artists who literally just do it in their spare time, and and like, there's videos that you can watch of them. Uh, Nick, I think you remember the documentary that in particular talks about one, but it's just like yeah, it's uh, my brothers and sisters in the north. Yeah, and that's literally just how art works, and that's in like one of the most demonized socialist countries on the podcast. planet. So. Like, <laughs> um, I, I wanted to push back against something that you said, Haley. Oh, good. Please I think, <laughs> uh, push me down where on the ground. You're, okay. <laughs> We're talking about, uh, you, you said that, you know, we have to be pragmatic. We have to be realistic. I'm a firm, like, I'm a firm believer that utopia as a, as a practice has a social utility. And I find that a lot of the problems on uh, uh, with with people who aren't quite on board with the uh, fully automated gay-based communism dream is that is a failure of imagination. Mm-hmm. And part of it is that I think we as a as a culture have been conditioned to not imagine a better world. Like we live we live in the greatest country on earth. We got it in one here in America, and there's out. nothing we can do to improve now, it. Now you're you're like it, you're not wrong. I don't want to. I don't want to like. I, I uh, what I want to say is that it's not wanting a utopia. Wanting a utopia is not a bad thing. It's 
when people push back against utopian philosophies, generally they're they're just being what they're really saying is that don't be idealistic. Don't don't like refuse to work with a thing because it's not the most perfect fucking thing in the world. You know, like if you for instance a union is not revolutionary, you know, but I absolutely not. You, they could be they could be 100% reactionary. Yeah, and it's just a step and we have Looking to just keep teamsters. These, keep these steps. Sorry, sorry yeah. for interrupting you by the way. I I I okay. you know what, Sarah, this is why I brought you here to stand on your strong communist gamer legs <laughs> and dream and because on upon your shoulders I can reach up into the heavens and gaze upon fully automated gay space communism and that's why we have friends <laughs> here on Comradical because it's our comrades that help us to lift one another up into a better tomorrow and it's through radicalizing as the fucking right will call it but to us it's sort of just opening your eyes to a better future and that's that's what we want to do here now because it's it's a matter of it's it's not a matter of individual success which you know takes a second to get your head around but ultimately you realize it's what you've been taught your whole life is to treat others the way you want to be treated, you know, the whole fucking golden rule thing. At its core, it's basically saying, at its core, it's basically saying, you're not the most important thing in the world. And your success is not the only thing you should care about because our success as a species and as a community of thinking people beyond our own physical animal needs our spiritual needs and our, our 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 just communal needs, our social needs are far more important than that second fucking Tesla. You know, like it's and that's very reductionist. Or the I first understand. one. The first one is also very important. It's very reduction <laughs> it's very reductionist, I know, but like it's it's also it's true. It's you know, we we are taught simultaneously to value others' opinions and to care about other people and to be generous and to care and be respectful and also taught that you got to look out for number one. And never does it occur to us that looking out for number one doesn't necessarily mean fuck everyone else, I'm the most important. You can still look out for your best interests while also doing that for other people because we are creatures of infinite capability and you know that's you know and you won't need to look out for number one when you're in a socialist system because nobody will pee on you yeah <laughs> there won't be any pee we <laughs> got rid of it everybody we did it unless you want pee there you and go. which jeff kaplan i'm looking at you bud as as the, the the whole climate thing begins to just like rear its uh, vicious fucking head in our lifetime, it's it's gonna. I, I actually think that there's a lot of a lot more hope, you know, as long as we continue to build like you know the the foundation right for these younger generations right um, to to have like a socialist future because as we wade mm -hmm. through the fucking floodwaters right you know. Uh, 
looking out for number one is looking out for everybody because you're in the same flood water, right? <laughs> I'm, I'm, I, 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 I'm going to be completely... We're drinking the same cholera, bud. Yeah, to yeah. be completely frank, if you don't have a socialist future, you're dead. In in, yeah. in 200 years, mm-hmm. if, we, if we don't have socialism, I mean, shit, less than that, maybe. We're, we're oh, fucking dead. Yeah. Like less, we have like less than ten years, I think, before like nope, we're we're at the event horizon. That that's it. But you know, that's that's something I think about a lot, right? Like the generational model of looking at history is kind of flawed because it's not oh, so cut and dry. But for the sake of the argument, you know, the people our age that are, you know, have have educated ourselves on socialism and gone through and read books at least y'all did i i just fucking listen to people and go yeah um but you know we we fuck was that again i go yeah so we you know it's our job as you know the because you know every every fucking generation shits on the next generation and i am actively trying to break that cycle of like, you know, the fucking kids in high school right now organizing Zoomers. anti-fucking, you know, gun rallies and shit. Like, I mean, you know, they, they'll they figure it out. They, they You got to understand gun stuff first. But like, you know, they're fucking, they feel the oppression harder than any fucking anybody else. And they're organizing so hard. And they're so fucking like dedicated. But they need the guidance. And I honestly think that like when the socialist fucking utopia comes, it's not going to be our generation that gets the credit it's going to be their generation. They're going to be the ones who have the revolution, but it's on our shoulders to give them the tools to do that. And that's the point of Comradical. So thank you everybody for coming on. Thank you, Sarah. Thank you, Nick. Thank you, Mitch. You've all been so wonderful. Thanks for um, giving us your perspectives and, and, you know, having this wonderful conversation. I'm really, really excited for the future of this show. And, Honestly, for the future of mankind, because everywhere I fucking turn, all of a sudden everybody's a leftist, and uh, that's fucking great to me, because the only way we can truly counter these fucking fascists is by radicalizing our own forces. So, you know, it's the future, the, the war for mankind is not going to be, hopefully, fought with guns, but it's going to be fought with words. So, you know, we have... Well, probably some guns, too. Probably some guns too. We'll see. <laughs> Molotov cocktails. Up. Burn it down! <laughs> God damn it! Before we wrap up, though, uh, Nick, Mitch, Sarah, is there any like you know last little bit that you guys you know and girl wanna say? Uh, join Game Workers Unite. Um, That's what I want to say. Uh, I I guess don't don't lose hope. Like. Even if the, that those ten years run up, there's shit that we can do to keep surviving, and like, it's not the end unless you let it be the end. Yeah. yeah. Be dream of a better future. Uh, don't be afraid to imagine that the world can be a better place because it can. And if you can't imagine a better world, then you've got nothing to fight for. Any and, club? Well, and is there anywhere? Is there anywhere? You know, I'll put this in the description as well. Are there any links or groups or Twitters that people can follow to stay up to date on the goings ons of um, workers' issues in the game industry? So we're not just getting the Silicon Valley news about who's making how much money, and rather who's starting GoFundMe's and 
and who's on strike and who we should be supporting. Yeah, I mean, Game Workers Unite has Twitters, um, and uh, I say Twitters because every chapter has its own Twitter, as well as the international. Um, we also have uh, contacts with many major publishers uh, of games journalism. Um, and, um, you know, I, I think I'd also put forward uh, any any labor paper that you can find, whether that's uh, Liberation News or LaborNotes.org, where, wherever you can get your, your union info. Fabulous. Um, there's also, oh. I, I would say there's like a dovetailing of uh, unionization efforts in the games industry with like unionization in tech in general, and also in like my sphere of things, the YouTube sphere of things. Uh, and I, I tend to sort of like there's there's the Internet Creators Guild and there there are a number of uh, there's there's actually a YouTube union that has the support of uh, Igmetal in Germany, which is one of the largest trade unions in the world. Uh, uh, I, I would say like f find find the 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 intersection of all of these different unionization efforts and uh, keep an eye on them. Yeah. And uh, yeah, do you have anything you would all like to plug? Your own personal Twitters, you know, Kofi's, whatever, uh, Patreons. Zanga. Yeah, if you want to check out fucking GeoCity, check out my shitty my shitty art. Uh, go to nickboon.com. I don't have a K in my name; it's just the C. <laughs> awesome. Uh, yeah, don't don't follow me because I'm just going to be posting a bunch of Marcus Leonard shit. I like almost never post art anymore. That's so unless... what exactly what we want to follow. <laughs> well, all right. So mine is M Malloy Art. Uh, if you want to follow the worker co-op that I'm a part of and see the art stuff that we do, um, and we talk sometimes about labor. Uh, we had like a whole thing where we talked about labor on May Day and a few other things. Uh, it happens very infrequently. We run our Twitter like shit, but we're working on it. Uh, that's Wild Blue Studios is the, is our at. Um, spelled exactly like how you imagine. No surprises. Uh, Fabulous. Wild Blue Studios. Sarah, give us those links. Yeah, uh, I'm. You can find me on Twitter at HMS No Fun, and I mean. All of my other stuff is linked from there. My YouTube show is called Let's Talk About Stuff. And, uh, yeah, that's 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 me. And, um, yeah, uh, you can follow me at HeyStews on uh, Twitter. And uh, I also do streams as well on uh, twitch.tv slash HeyStews. Um, and, uh, yeah, I, I technically have a YouTube channel. but Technically. <laughs> Technically, I mean, it's there. It has subscribers. Um, but uh, don't do anything with that except post random bullshit videos, MOVs from Minecraft. So, um, yeah, and then uh, I also host a couple other podcasts on the network, including Badvertising and Good Boys Girls. Um, and uh, you can check those out there. And Johnny? You can follow me at Twitter at MLNJ Gang Gang, all caps, <laughs> on Twitter. <laughs> I love Johnny. Woo! Yo! <laughs> 1312! 1312! NJ Pride Worldwide! Smoke Rock! Johnny Bars! <laughs> so, um, thank Johnny, you all you so much for listening. So oh, much. shit! Wait! Oh, yeah. Wait! 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 Do it again! Give, give the plug again, come on! Yeah. Wonderful!
MLNJ Gang Gang All Caps Spit my name Fucking I love Johnny Um and uh, as always, everybody, thank you so much for listening and uh, seize the means. Stay comradical. Studio. Pretty, witty, and gay. <laughs>